الرحمن الرحيم أرأيت الذي يكذب بالدين فذلك الذي يدع اليتيم ولا يحض على طعام المسكين وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم الصلاة عماد الدين من أقامها فقد أقام الدين ومن هدمها فقد هدم الدين أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Most respected ulama ikram brothers and elders The surah of the Quran Sharif is very well known to all of us we may be reciting it regularly in our salah and like every other ayat of the Quran Sharif the surah also has very deep lessons in it for us Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala brings to our attention a very deep and fundamental concept in the opening verse of this ayat Allah Ta'ala says أَرَأَيْتَ الَّذِي يُكَذِّبُ بِالدِّينِ Have you seen that person who rejects the day of judgment that he does not believe in it rejects it has no concept of the hereafter he conducts his life as if it is the be all and end all have you seen such a person? What is his way of life? How does he go about things? Because he's got no concept of the hereafter. So obviously he will conduct his life in a very, very different way. There will be no such thing as refraining from some wrong, staying away from sin, or worrying about accountability, the only thing he might be concerned about is that how can I do what I want to do without getting into any problems and difficulties now. That's all. And if he believes he can get away with something, he'll get away with it. That's what he believes in. So Allah Ta'ala is saying that have you seen such a person? How does he live his life? Primarily, this refers to those who were totally without Iman. And then the Munafiqeen. But the Qur'an Sharif, numerous ayat of the Qur'an Sharif deal with the various deviant people. The Mushrikeen, the Yahud, the Nasara, the Munafiqeen, the Kuffar. So if a person starts looking at these ayat and say, well, this ayat refers to the Munafiqeen, so it doesn't apply to me. This ayat is addressing the Mushrikeen, so it doesn't apply to me. This ayat is addressing the Yahud and Nasara, so it doesn't apply to me. So if that is the way a person will approach the Qur'an Sharif, then two-thirds of the Qur'an Sharif perhaps he might just wash his hands off. Whereas every ayat applies to us. Every ayat applies to us in the sense that we are to take the lesson that if Allah Ta'ala is addressing the Yahud and Nasara, that this is your downfall, this is why you have become disgraced and debased, then we are to take the lesson that we don't do what they did. If the munafiqeen are being addressed, 
This is where your downfall is that you are pretending to be sincere believers, but in your heart is this kufr. As a result, in al munafiqina fi darkil asfali min al nar, you will become the fuel right at the very bottom of Jahannam. So, this is a lesson that we must also live our life in a way that there is complete sincerity in Iman. Otherwise, Allah forbid we can fall within the ambit of that warning that is given to the munafiqeen. So likewise, though this was essentially or initially addressed to the munafiqeen and those who didn't believe, but one is belief in terms of what a person's faith is. So alhamdulillah, every believer, every Muslim, every person with iman believes in the day of judgment. Without such belief, he's not a mu'min. But sometimes in action, while the belief is correct, alhamdulillah, but in action we conduct ourselves as if we don't believe. And as if there won't be any accountability. As if there won't be the day of judgment. So Allah Ta'ala is bringing this to our attention. That look, there were those who totally rejected. Don't be like them. Don't reject it obviously in faith. Don't reject it in practice also. Because without this concept of the day of judgment, there is nothing else that can prevent a person from haram, from disobedience of Allah Taala. Nothing else. It is the concept of accountability. And this must become a condition of our heart. We find that this is right in the beginning of the Quran Sharif. And something that we are required to recite daily without fail. Our five times salah is farz. And that salah won't be complete without the recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha. And every time we recite Surah Al-Fatiha, we are giving ourselves that same reminder. Maliki yawmiddin. Allah Ta'ala is the master of the day of judgment. The day of recompense. So that this becomes a condition of the heart. Because the heart is king. And if something has become the condition of the heart, the heart is fully and always conscious of this, then the eyes will be conscious also. And if I'm looking somewhere, I will have to answer for this on the day of Qiyamah. If the heart has become conditioned with this concept of the day of Qiyamah and accountability, then the tongue will also be conscious and will be concerned about accountability. Because the heart is king. Now the heart will command the tongue, watch what you speak. مَا يَلْفِظُ مِنْ قَوْلٍ إِلَّا لَدَيْهِ رَقِيبٌ عَتِيدٌ Whatever the person utters, it is being recorded. So in the heart, this is the king, this is the thing that we have to work on, and this is the thing we give least attention to. Everything else needs to be cleaned, needs to be washed, needs to be shined, needs to be made spick and span, whether it is our clothing, whether it is our homes, whether it is our cars, whether it is our yards, and whether it is even our children's toys. If there's something that doesn't necessarily have to be cleaned in terms of how we conduct ourselves, then it is our heart. Anything and everything can come in and go and anything and everything can remain. 
But this heart doesn't need any polishing, any cleaning, any shining, any dusting off, any spring cleaning. The heart can carry on. Whereas the heart is king. And when this heart is king, then the king will rule the subjects. There's one incident in one kitab, Akhlaq Muhsini, Hazrat Mufti Mahmoud Sahrahmatullahi quoted this incident from there. He says there was one king, he was he was a prince actually, so he went out hunting. So the common thing in those days that this whole hunting party would go and then when that prey would be spotted, often it would happen that everybody in that pursuit of that prey would be just going helter-skelter and many a times everybody would just get separated from one another. So this prince also somehow got separated and he got left alone. In any case, as he came along, he was thirsty, he came to one little house so there was some old person there. So as he wanted to drink something, some water, so he came, he saw this old person. At that time, this old man was busy planting a tree. So he asked him that, what are you doing? He says, I'm planting this tree. So he said, what are you planting this tree for? One leg of yours is already in the grave. And a tree doesn't grow in one day or one week. Tree takes its time to grow. Your one leg is already in the grave and you're planting a tree. So that old man said that my grandfather and forefathers planted trees. We are eating the fruit of those trees. So I'm planting a tree. My children, grandchildren will eat someday. And there is nothing impossible that I might eat of this tree also. So when he said this, this prince, now they have that kind of mind. So he said, if you eat out of this tree, then my wife is divorced. This was a kind of thing to show impossibility. But they would make these kind of statements. Which is effective because he has suspended talaq on something. Talaq is not a plaything. Unfortunately, talaq has become like a... Just anything to use as a weapon of threat. Some little uh, argument between spouses. And there the husband goes threatening talaq. Or there's some argument between spouses and the wife is demanding talaq. And then after 10 minutes, everybody forgot about it. But many a times in that moment, when we make this a plaything, then things get out of control. Somebody blurts out something because that wife is demanding it. And these are not just hypothetical situations, real life situations. Then people come crying that it wasn't meant, I didn't mean to demand the talaq, but... It's too late when that bullet is already now left the chamber and those three bullets have already hit the target. Now you want to know that why did he die? It wasn't meant. I didn't intend to kill the person, so why did he die? When you shot the bullets, he's going to get killed, he's going to die. So this nikah, when those three bullets of talaq are shot at it, then it's killed. That nikah cannot be renewed. Now the couple come... To say that, how can we try and make a plan? And then when there's no plan available, then they say, well, so-and-so broke the nikah. So-and-so didn't break the nikah. He only merely told you what you did. Merely told you what you did. What was already done, he merely explained to you, this is what you did. 
So in any case, this fellow also in that moment, he made the statement that if you eat out of this tree, my wife is divorced. And this incident came and went, he forgot about it, he finally joined up with his party and they were gone. Years passed, the king died, this prince became the king. Many years later, he one day happened to be passing around the same place again with a hunting party and he happened to need something to drink again. So he pitched up at the same place, but he forgot. Now there's one old person there again. So he says, I'm hungry also, I want to drink something. So he saw the tree there, he said, I want to eat from this, give me a fruit from here. So the person brought a fruit and he presented it to him. So he cut and gave him one piece also. He says, no, I'm not going to eat. So why you don't want to eat? Now this prince forgot everything. Who is the king now, forgot everything. Why don't you want to eat? So he says, no, there's some secret behind this. You don't have to worry about it. He says, no, I want to know what it is. So he says, well, years ago, one prince happened to pass by, or when one person happened to pass by, he didn't even know it was a prince. One person happened to pass by, and he made this statement, that the day, if you ever eat out of this tree, then my wife is divorced. So this tree has already started bearing fruit, but he knew it was the king. He says this tree has already started bearing fruit, and that king perhaps even forgot what he said. If I ever take one bite of a fruit, his wife will become divorced. And he won't even know about it. And he'll be living this life of sin. And if he is living the life of sin, he's the king. What will become the effect on the subjects? So therefore, I'm never going to eat out of this tree. Look at that consideration that this person had. But the lesson at the same time, that the condition of the king is going to affect the subjects. I'm not going to eat out of this tree. Now this person, it struck him, Inna Allah, this was my incident. This person forgot, but it was my incident. But the point that we're making is that the heart is king. And when the heart has certain concepts, Alhamdulillah, we become conscious of a'mal, we become aware sometimes that we have to be performing, or we do perform our a'mal, we are punctual in our salah, punctual with other forms of ibadat. But together with all that, what is required is a concept in the heart, a mindset, a condition of the heart, where the heart is overwhelmed with the consciousness of akhirat. With this reality of standing in front of Allah wa ta'ala on the day of judgment, of accountability, that it is not only a'mal, but it is a condition of the heart also that is required. And when this condition of the heart is made, then a person doesn't have to undertake any difficulty to push himself towards a'mal. Then a'mal becomes his first nature. Then it is no more an effort for him to do what is right. Then, just like a hungry person does not have to be encouraged to eat, he goes around looking for food. The person whose condition of his heart has become this. Then at the time of salah, you can't take him anywhere else. His heart will be like a hungry person looking for food. 
he'll be making his way straight to the masjid. So Allah Ta'ala is saying, Have you seen that person who denies this day of judgment? Oh, if he's living his life as if he doesn't believe in it. As if he feels this will never happen. This happens to others only. Doesn't happen to me. And when my turn comes, all these bees, everything will just come right. So for dunya, we don't believe everything will just come right. We believe that we have to work for it. We have to make an effort. When it comes to deen, everything will just come right. Indeed, Allah wa ta'ala is ghafoorur rahim. But in the same line, Allah ta'ala says, That my punishment is also severe. So iman is between hope and fear. Iman is between hope and fear. Not that a person becomes fearless and does what he wants. So what is required is to develop this consciousness of akhirat. This consciousness of accountability. Then everything else will start falling into place. Then a person's every word and deed he will be concerned about. He'll be concerned even about his intentions. Even about the thoughts that he entertains in his heart and mind. Abdullah bin Mubarak rahmatullahi great muhaddis, great faqih, great mujahid, the ustad of Imam Bukhari rahmatullahi such a great personality. And he is in Syria, in Sham, and he needed to borrow a pen to write something, like sometimes you just want to write something out of the for a blue, something came up, so he borrowed a pen from somebody and carried on using it and it happened sometimes that now when he finished using it, it got left in his hand, in his pocket and he left from there eventually. And he traveled all the way to Maru in Iran. When he reached there, he discovered this pen is still in his pocket. Inna lillahi wa inna rajun. Somebody else's property and I brought it and came. Now where's Sham and where's Iran? And in the times when there were no roads and no planes and trains and cars, when it was on horseback and camelback and through deserts and jungles, he traveled all the way back. How many, how much would that pen be worth? Hardly anything. He traveled all the way back from Maru, from Iran, all the way to Syria, to Sham, and found the person again and returned that pen. This belongs to you, it's not mine. Now what drives a person to do this? There's only one thing that can drive him. The consciousness of Akhirat, accountability. That on the day of Qiyamah this will come up. And sometimes that person who's right has been taken by mistake maybe. That person doesn't even remember, he doesn't mean anything to him. But he doesn't even remember it also. So he doesn't forgive it also. Had he remembered, he might have forgiven it. It just didn't come to his mind. So it got left unsettled in this world. Now when there's no accountability of akhirat, this doesn't occur to a person that now I should take the trouble to return this to its owner. So Allah Ta'ala is bringing the same reality to our minds and hearts. That this must become the condition of the heart. 
that this accountability is standing before Allah Taala, Maliki Yawmiddin. In the Isha Salah, we also heard the same ayat: "Kalla bal tukadzibuna biddin wa inna alaykum lahafidin kiraman katibin ya alamuna ma tafadun." Same, same concept of the day of Akhirat. So when this concept is in the person's heart and mind, it has become the condition of his heart and mind, now it will govern everything. It will govern his ibadat, it will govern his akhlaq, his mu'amalat, his mu'asharat, every department of deen. Because everything is accountable for. And if this is not there, then everything goes. Who's seeing? There's nobody to see. Only Allah Ta'ala is seeing. There was one incident, Lama ibn Jawzi writes about one woman. Actually, it was a the incident starts off with one trader in Baghdad. He was a cloth merchant, very wealthy person. As time went along, he eventually got married for the second time. Fine, no problem with that, provided he fulfills what is required of him. But the wrong thing that he did was he got married secretly. And these are the type of secrets that don't remain secret. So in any case, he got married for a second time. So life carried on. But life cannot carry on the same. And somewhere down the line, it's going to become obvious something is not the same. So his routine was that every day he would leave for work and after Zuhar Salah he would go to his to the house of his second wife and then he would come back home in the evening and life carried on but his first wife realized something is not the same some months passed six eight months passed so one day she said to the maid a slave that tomorrow when my husband leaves you quietly follow him and observe where he's going, what he's doing, what's going on. So she followed. After Fajr, after he came back, then he left for his work. She followed, she saw he went to his business, he's busy. So she quietly just waited somewhere. Now after that he went to the masjid for Zuhar Salah. So she waited again. Then she see he comes out of the masjid. Now he's taking some other direction. So she followed. He finally came to some house, went to the house. When he went away inside that house, so she went to the neighbor's house. She was somebody quite smart also. So she went and started talking to the neighbor who, and made on some pretext. And she got the whole detail. That who lives next door? Well, next door is some lady who just recently got married some months ago to that cloth merchant, etc. So the whole story came up. So she came back and she informed the lady of the house that this is the whole story. So that lady told her, dare you tell anybody about it? You keep quiet about it now. And then she did not disclose also that she knows what's going on. Now can you imagine, no woman is happy about a co-wife. One is that this is human nature in a woman, but that is in its place. But as far as the aqidah and belief is concerned, there must be no reservations about something Allah Ta'ala has made permissible. Whether something that is permissible should be done or not, that is a different question. The mashaykh of the time will address that. 
But the issue is there must be no reservation in a person's heart regarding what Allah Ta'ala has made permissible and deal with it as if it is impermissible. But it's a different issue altogether that should it be done or not? And if it is done, then what are the conditions? And how must it be conducted? But what Allah Ta'ala has made permissible, there must be no reservation about it. The heart must be totally clear about it. What is halal is halal. Don't ever regard something as haram as halal or the other way around. That something halal should never be regarded as haram. So in any case, she kept totally quiet about it. Now to, to start off with, what must be the amount of sabr that she was making, that what is the human nature, and then not even venting this feeling in any way, and still continuing with life as if nothing happened, still carrying on outwardly pleasant, what was going on inside Allah knows best, but laughing and joking and everything as normal, and life carried on. A year or two passed, and this person passed away. This person passed away, so eventually now, everything had to be wound up. So she had everything in her control because all his wealth was lying in her house. So she had one son. So she took that son's share and put it aside because he was still a child. And then the share of a wife, which is one-eighth of the estate, she took that portion. And if the person had more than one wife that is divided between the wives that he has, that one-eighth is divided. So that one-eighth came to 1,000 dinars, 1,000 gold coins, like 1,000 krugerands. So she took 500 of that and put it in a bag and she gave it to that maid that you know the house and you know the person. You go and deliver this to her that tell her your husband has passed away and this is your share of the inheritance. Now to start off with, what sabr she made, nobody else knows about it. Nobody knows what wealth is inside the house. Nobody knows that what's going on. And if she just kept quiet about it, outwardly, nobody is the wiser. Now what will drive a person to do this? In any case, this maid goes, she takes that bag, she comes to the house. So she, the person, that lady didn't even know about this message. So she tells her that few days back, your husband passed away and the first wife sent this, that this is your share of the inheritance. 500 gold coins. 500 krugerands. So when she gave this message, that lady who was the second wife at some time, she started crying. Then she woke up, went to one cupboard, opened the cupboard, brought out a piece of paper. One page and she came and she said, look, you take this bag and return it from where it came. My, the person, that trader, cloth merchant who was my husband had divorced me. There's the proof of it. He had written out that divorce also. When he passed away, I was not his wife. So therefore, I'm not entitled to this inheritance. You take it back and give it to the lady who had sent you with it. This belongs to her. Now this... Who can now if she took that paper and hid it away, nobody knows the better. What made this lady pass on that 500 gold coins and what made the other lady send it back? It's only the consciousness of Allah wa ta'ala, only this concept of akhirat. Only that tomorrow I go to stand in front of Allah wa ta'ala 
and give an account of my deeds. Nothing else. And let alone account of my deeds, when this concept really settles in the heart and mind, then it makes a person conscious about what his thoughts are as well. What is he thinking? What are the decisions he's making within his heart? What is he harboring within there? So Imam Abu Yusuf who was, you can call the successor of Imam Abu Hanifa was his main student and who was together with Imam Muhammad they were the ones who passed on this knowledge of Imam Abu Hanifa chiefly. Others as well. So he was the chief justice, the Qazi ul Allah Ta'ala had blessed Imam Abu Hanifa with students of this nature. So, in his dealings, he was in his judging of the cases absolutely fair and just. Now it is his deathbed. And he is in total concern, worry. So somebody asked him, and he's saying that there's a certain case that is very, very worrying for me. What is worrying? He says, I was in that situation where one Christian subject... He's a subject, he's a citizen of the country, he's a Christian, but he's a subject. He made a claim against Harun Rashid, the king of the time. And I summoned Harun Rashid to come and answer to the claim. So, when Harun Rashid came, then he looked into the matter. Now the subject and the king are standing side by side. And the subject is a Christian. And the king like Harun Rashid also. Once there was a, he was sitting in his balcony and there was a cloud passing overhead. So he looked at the cloud and addressed the cloud and said to the cloud, you can go and reign where you want to. You will still reign in my territory. This was how vast his kingdom was. And now this powerful king and he's standing alongside his subject. This was the justice of Islam. That was practiced even in the time when this was now, so to say, that the Khilafat was over and this was kingdom that had come. But the kingdom of that time, of that era, was far beyond what we can imagine also. So in any case, after having investigated the whole thing, Imam Abhishek passed judgment in favor of that Christian subject against Harun Rashid. So the people around him told him, that, what are you worried about this particular case? you summoned the king to come and stand alongside the subject and that to a Christian subject and then you even pass judgment in favor of that Christian subject against the king so he says yes all that happened but when this case came to me it was Harun Rashid on one side after all and other side was a Christian in my heart this desire came this hope came that I hope Harun Rashid is right and this case goes in his favor but after having investigated it and I saw what the reality is, then I passed judgment for the, in favor of the Christian subject. But I am worried now that if Allah Ta'ala asks me that you had not yet listened to the evidence, you had not yet investigated the matter, why did you even desire and hope that it should go in one direction? On what basis you desired this? You should have first looked into it. If Allah Ta'ala asks me this question, what answer I will give? Now this can come when? The same thing. If Allah Ta'ala asks me this question, the concept of accountability. 
Tomorrow is the day of judgment coming still. Dunya is dunya. Dunya will pass. But, akhirat nobody can get away from it. وَمَا هُمْ عَنْهَا بِغَائِبِينَ وَمَا أَدْرَاكَ مَا يَوْمُ الدِّينَ ثُمَّ مَا أَدْرَاكَ مَا يَوْمُ الدِّينَ يَوْمَ لَا تَمْلِكُ نَفْسٌ لِنَفْسٍ شَيْئًا وَالْأَمْرُ يَوْمَ إِذِلْ لِلَّهِ وَمَا هُمْ عَنْهَا بِغَائِبِينَ Allah Ta'ala says nobody can escape this day. So this surah also Allah Ta'ala speaks about the same thing. That when a person does not have this concept of akhirat. أَرَأَيْتَ الَّذِي يُكَذِّبُ بِالدِّينَ فَذَالِكَ الَّذِي يَدُعُ الْيَتِيمِ وَلَا يَحُضُّ عَلَى طَعَامِ الْمِسْكِينَ There's no time to go into the details. But the crux of this message is that when there's no concept of the akhirat and accountability, then it becomes self-centered. A person is then self-centered and concerned about his own merrymaking. Then the orphan and the poor and the destitute all mean nothing to him. Whatever happens to somebody, they can perish, they can suffer, or whatever goes on in somebody's life, as long as I do my things in style, then I'm happy. I'm in my comfort zone, doesn't affect me what happens to anybody else. If I'm wasting hundreds of thousands of rands, millions of rands, just to make a name for myself, that's my business. Everything becomes self-centered when this accountability is not in the mind, not in the heart. This is not conditioned. And then further Allah says, so what will be the other part of it? When the reality of this accountability comes, then there will be self-sacrifice. Because now a person is working all the time for the akhirat, all the time for the day of judgment. Now he's ready to sacrifice anything. That this dunya is dunya after all. It's perishable. And what I'm going to get, what I'm going to take along with me. So he is now concerned about that day when he will be standing in front of Allah. Wa ta'ala. Then again linked up to this. musallin. The same surah now Allah ta'ala is speaking about. That destruction be to the musallin. To those who perform salah. Can we imagine what is being said? فَوَيْلٌ لِلْمُسَلِّينَ All the time we have been hearing that those who perform salah will be saved from destruction. And Allah Ta'ala is saying destruction to those who are performing salah. So, أَلَّذِينَ هُمْ عَنْ صَلَاتِهِمْ سَاهُونَ That in reality the person is far away from salah. Salah, in the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Sallallahu says, As-salatu imadu deen Salah is the central pillar of deen. It's a pillar of deen. And what is extracted from this hadith is that this supports the whole of deen. And the entire deen is, the, the benefit of the entire deen is acquired from salah. So if salah is not in order, then everything else is going to be affected. So a person is sometimes performing salah, but this was referring primarily to the Salah of the Munafiqeen. To start off with, they had no Iman. So they merely came to pretend to perform Salah. They had no reality of Salah in their lives. It was just an outward show of Salah. So this was the Salah Allah Ta'ala is saying, musallin. Now that is of the worst level, that there is no Iman also, and the person is just making a show of Salah, just merely following or, or doing the postures and nothing else. But there are different levels of this wrong. 
the neglect of salah that sometimes a person performs it, sometimes he doesn't perform it. Person performs some salah and fajr salah is has gone. That many times I think we repeated this. The concept some people have that in safar on journey salah is half and fajr is maaf. So that is something which falls into this to some degree. That a person performs some salah and some salah he neglects completely. Or the person performs that salah but it is not being fulfilled in the way that it should be fulfilled. In everything in dunya, we all the time are concerned about updating, upgrading, improving and all the other terminologies that can be used. This is a constant effort. As soon as something seems to have lost its uh, appeal in the market, its appeal in the society, that now this is a little bit old, and though it's working 100%, but now this can't be still what I have. I've got to have something better now. So the new thing that is out in the market that I have to have. So all the time in terms of dunya, we are updating and upgrading and improving. Have we sat down to see what amount of upgrading I have done to my salah? What improvements I have brought to my salah? Hazrat Rashid Ahmad Gangui, on one occasion, he was sitting very, very grieved in great amount of sorrow. So somebody came, asked him, what happened? Did something happen? Why are you looking so grieved? So first he just brushed it aside, but when the person persisted, he says, after 22 years, today I missed my takbir ula After 22 years, I missed my takbir ula once Hazrat Mawla Khalil Ahmad Saharampuri he while making wudu he realized that his gum is bleeding so now he carried on trying to gargle or stop the blood in some way but it was still bleeding now in the meantime that Musallis were waiting for him they were waiting that he'll come they'll start the namaz thereafter but he didn't want to inconvenience everybody else also so after a few minutes this still didn't subside so then he told them please continue don't wait for me I don't know how long this will carry on. So in any case, they started. And a short while later, he managed to, or it stemmed the flow of blood. And then he performed his wudu. And he came and joined the salah. He perhaps missed a rakat or so. But after that salah was over, he was in a state of complete grief. Now, somebody asked him what happened. He says, well, this was something beyond control. But it was after six years today that I missed my takbir ula. After six years, I missed my takbir ula. So now the updating and the upgrading and the improving and the everything else carries on in everything else in dunya. Our cars, our houses, our clothing, our phones, and small and big things, even our children's toys also sometimes it's perfect but it's gone old now. Now the new things must come. So the updating and upgrading carries on in everything else. But have I now improved my salah? Am I performing it in the sunnah manner? Am I even making my takbir at tahrima correctly? Which direction my hands are facing? My fingers are facing where? Am I making my ruku correctly? My sajda correctly? So Allah Ta'ala is saying that when this accountability, concept of accountability will be strengthened. Now as salatu imadud deen then salah which is the pillar of deen will now become 
a great concern for a person. Am I doing this correctly? So Allah Ta'ala is saying, فَوَيْلُ لِلْمُصَلِّينَ الَّذِينَ هُمْ عَنْ صَلَاتِهِمْ سَاهُونَ الَّذِينَ هُمْ يُرَعُونَ That it is sometimes, these munafiqeen just an outward show, and they don't want to be even charitable. So this all is as a result of the lack of that accountability, that concept of accountability. And when that concept of accountability is there, then it will filter down into everything else. Then a person's ibadat, he will be wanting to upgrade and update all the time, to improve his ibadat. His mu'amalat, he'll be concerned that not one thing must go wrong. Every cent I earn must be 100% halal. His mu'asharat, what am I, how am I dealing with my parents? Am I speaking to them in the correct way? Don't even say uff to them. Am I fulfilling this? How am I speaking to my wife and children? How am I dealing with my neighbors? How am I dealing with people in general? And his akhlaq. Is my akhlaq the way Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has taught? All this will come in place when this accountability is in place. And this is what we remind ourselves every day, every salah. Maliki Yawmiddin, Master of the Day of Judgment. Allah Ta'ala is going to take us to account. May Allah Ta'ala, wa ta'ala grant us the tawfiq of preparing for the Day of Judgment. May Allah Ta'ala give us this, make our hearts filled with this concept of this accountability. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Recite the Rujjah. صلى الله تبارك وتعالى عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأصحابه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا يا رب صل وسلم دائما أبدا على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله لا إله إلا الله 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 لا <laughs> لا إله إلا الله لا إله إلا الله 
محمد الرسول الله صلى الله تبارك وتعالى عليه وسلم دل میرا ہو جائے ایک میدان تو ہی تو ہو تو ہی تو ہو تو ہی تو غیر سے بالکل ہی اٹھ جائے نظر تو ہی تو آئے نظر دیکھو جدر اور تن میرے بجائے آبو گل درد دل ہو درد دل ہو درد دل نفس و شیتا دونوں نے مل کر ہائی کیا ہے مجھ کو تباہ اے میرے مولا میری مدد کر چاہتا ہوں میں تیری پناہ مجھ سا خلق میں کوئی نہیں گو بد کردار ناماسیاں تو بھی مگر غفار ہے یا رب بخش دے میرے سارے گناہ اب تو رہے بس تادم آخر ورد زبائے میرے الہ لا الہ الا اللہ 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 محمد الرسول اللہ صلی اللہ تبارک و تعالی علیہ وسلم اللہ اللہ جل جلاله عم نواله اللہ 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 اللہ
ഹബ്ലന <Sessizlik> وجعلنا للمتقين اماما ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الابرار ربنا واتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامه انك لا تخلف الميعاد اله العالمين يا الله ومسمسف الله موست جريشس اند كاين الله most loving allah ilahu alamin ya allah you forgive us ya allah allah forgive all our major and minor sins ya allah allah forgive us ya allah forgive our families ya allah 
Forgive our relatives, Ya Allah. Forgive our friends, Ya Allah. Forgive the entire ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Ilahul alamin, Ya Allah. Forgive the ummah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, remove the suffering of the ummah, Ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, give us then the entire ummah the tawfiq of those a'mal that bring down your rahmat, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, save us from those actions that bring down your wrath and azab, Ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, Ya Allah, give us the consciousness of akhirat, Ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, let us be forever conscious that we have to stand on the day of qiyamah, Ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, Ya Allah, you save us from every haram, Ya Allah. Save us from all the fitna and fasad, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, save us from the sins of the eyes, Ya Allah. Save us from the sins of the tongue, Ya Allah. Save us from the sins of the heart, Ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, you protect us from every evil, Ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, Ya Allah, you save us from all the fitna and fasad, Ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, Ya Allah, you guide us, Ya Allah. Keep us from sirat and mustaqim, Ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, only with your help can we be guided, Ya Allah. Only with your guidance can we stay on the straight path, Ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, Ya Allah, you guide us, Ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, give us the love of the sunnah of Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ya Allah, let us give our life for the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ya Allah, put the hatred of the ways of Yahud and Nasara in our hearts, Ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, grant us the true love of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ya Allah, fill our hearts with your love, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, fill our hearts with your love, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, remove the love of dunya from our hearts, Ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, remove the love of sin from our hearts, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, put the hatred of sin in our hearts, Ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, let us hate sin like how we hate filth, Ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, Ya Allah, put the hatred of sin in our hearts, Ya Allah. Allahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, all the good that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has asked for. Ya Allah, we also begging for all that good, Ya Allah. Whatever Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam sought refuge from, Ya Allah, you grant us refuge as well, Ya Allah. Allahul Alameen, all those who are sick, give them shifai kamila, ajila, mustamirra, daima. Allahul Alameen, all those who are in any kind of difficulties and hardships, remove it, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, all those who have passed away, fill their qabrs with nur, Ya Allah. Make their complete maghfirat, Ya Allah. Give them the high stages in the akhirat, Ya Allah. At the time of our death, also take us with the kalima, la ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. Take us on Tawbat and Nasuh, Ya Allah. Take us on Iman and Kamil, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, take us at the time that you are pleased with us and we are pleased with you, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, make our qabr's gardens of Jannah for us, Ya Allah. Grant us the shafaat of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, give us Jannatul Firdaus without any reckoning, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you are the know of the unseen, Ya Allah. You know what is the cry of each person's heart, Ya Allah. You know what each person's needs are, Ya Allah. Fulfill each one's needs from the ghayb, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you fulfill it from your treasures, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, fulfill each one's pious aspirations, Ya Allah. Remove each one's difficulties and hardships, Ya Allah. Grant afiyat to one and all, Ya Allah. Grant barakat in each one's rizq, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant each one halal and tayyib rizq, Ya Allah. Save us from every drop and every grain of haram, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, unite the hearts of the ummah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, unite the hearts of the ummah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, unite the hearts of the ummah, Ya Allah. Unite the hearts of families, Ya Allah. Unite the hearts of spouses, Ya Allah. Unite the hearts of parents and children, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, unite the hearts of one and all, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, Ya Allah, let us do everything to please you alone, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant us ikhlas and sincerity in everything, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, Ya Allah, let us be concerned about akhirat, Ya Allah. Give us a tawfiq of preparing for akhirat, Ya Allah. Allahumma inna nas'aluka min khayri ma sa'alaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa na'udhu bika min sharri masta'adaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam anta al-musta'an wa alayka al-balag wa la hawla wa la quwata illa billahi al-alayhi al-azim wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayri khalqihi sayyidina Muhammad wa alihi wa sahabi ajma'in walhamdulillahi wa alayhi wa sallam